Awesome. Great. Thank you. That was so beautiful. It was good. Man, and thank you for bringing us joy, parents. Man, who here is a parent? Amazing. Love it. Well, happy Mother's Day to you moms out there. I felt like uh, as Jacqueline, as Quinn was up here running around, I feel like the Lord was, um, if, you're, if you're a parent, I feel like the Lord wants to, to breathe encouragement to us as a church body. But you know the, that everything changes when your kid knows how to walk, right? All of a sudden, so there was a day when Quinn couldn't, you know, uh, uh, move around and she, she would sit. But all of a sudden, now she moves and she's, she's running and she's releasing. And it was like a beautiful picture of Nancy just holding on to her hand. But I feel like what the Lord wanted to release to us was actually a joy in discovery once we can run. Once we can finally move, and I feel like as we actually step forward with the excitement of discovering what the Lord has for us, that we're actually going to experience a newfound joy in the Lord. And so I just want to pray that over us and and pray encouragement specifically in us discovering God's joy. And so Lord, we thank you that, that you desire to bring us encouragement yeah, so Father, we come as, as souls before you, as maybe some of us need more encouragement than others. And, and Lord, I thank you that as we are released to run, as we, as we start learning how to walk with you and walk in the Spirit, that as we start walking, that there is joy in the discovery, that each step that we take, there's actually new ground to be discovered. And as we discover that new ground in the kingdom, Lord, we thank you that there is joy there. So would you just breathe upon us an encouragement of joy right now in Jesus' name. For us with heavy hearts or, or heavy spirits, Lord, we thank you that you are, you are lightening the load right now in Jesus' name. I just feel like Holy Spirit, he wants to, he wants to just encourage you. So even as in... In 1 Samuel, where it says, speak now for your servant is listening. I just posture your heart with, with open ears to what the Holy Spirit wants to breathe encouragement upon you today. So Holy Spirit, would you just speak to us? Speak to our hearts and speak to our minds right now. Yeah, we thank you, God. <clears throat> we thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. Well, my name is Ian Ray. If we haven't met, I'm one of the pastors here at the Vineyard. We're going to kind of dive in. We're in a series right now called uh, The Journey of the Soul. And so it's based on this book by Bill and Christy Gautier. And and so as as we're kind of Walking through this, we have some copies in the back, and I, I encourage you to check it out. It's just, it kind of it walks us through what does it look like for, for different stages in our walk with, with Christ. Recognizing that, that each of us are, are souls that, that can actually go through this life, and there, there are certain stages or, or, or ways that, that we engage with the Lord in this journey of the soul. And, and so as, as, as we go through and we're in this series, some, some big questions that, that we want you to be able to, to answer are, are, where are you in your life journey with God? It's kind of like a map. So the, this journey of the soul, it's this map that we want to give you. And as we give you this map, you'll be able to discover, okay, where are you now so that you can discover where you're going in the future? Because sometimes we have to know where we are in the present before we actually have opportunity to go to where God is calling us to. And so there are different stages and different kind of recognizing that, that we have to learn, okay, where am I? So as we, we go through this series... It's important that you recognize, okay, you are somewhere on this journey. Like you are somewhere. And so we want you to be able to, to kind of tell and, and identify where are you at in your life journey with God. And now also, okay, okay, awesome. You tell me like where I am, here's where I am. Now, now what do I do? Like what do I do while I'm here? Or maybe you also ask the question like, Okay, Ian, it's, it's awesome to know where I am, but maybe you just feel like there's something hindering your movement. You ever felt that? You ever felt like there's just something that you're just like stuck? 
Like you can't, you just, you don't know what's happening and you keep having conversations and you're in this loop and it's, and you're like, man, I just keep saying the same things. But what's beautiful as we kind of dive in is, is learning and discovering, okay, what is hindering our movement? And what tools, what practical things can we, can we use to understand in this certain stage or, or point in our life? And so we can put up kind of all the different stages on the screen, uh, and it spells out the acronym CHRIST. And so I'll just, Randy did an awesome job week one kind of describing all of these, but the first stage is confidence in Christ. And so Adam did a really awesome job unpacking that. And, and what does it look like? So in our journey of the soul, first we have to profess faith in Jesus. And there's a, there's a place and a time where we, we have confidence in Christ. And then the next stage is H, it's help in discipleship. And that's what we're talking about this week, help in discipleship. And then there's, there's this, this season of, of, of hunger and, 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 and we're really just excited and, and we want to learn and we'll be talking all about that today. And then there's also responsibility in ministry where, where we start kind of having responsibilities and giving more away. And then what happens, and if you've hit this, you know you've hit it. Then all of a sudden there's this wall that we hit. And like you, you hit this wall and you just keep coming up against it. It's that thing that, that keeps popping up. And, and here's what's beautiful. This isn't just like a linear track. It's not like we're going like here's the first, second, third, fourth. It's almost like a spiral that, that we're getting deeper and, and deeper in. And so there are sometimes and so often our temptation, I am someone who has done this where, where I've hit the wall and then rather than pressing through the wall into the inner journey, into inner healing, we actually go back and, and then we say, okay, I'm gonna go back to a different stage because we can repeat these it's not like we're just going uh like forward through them at all times and so then the next stage is the inner journey and then the spirit-led ministry so then we're we're kind of living more empowered we're we're living a a life of ministry that 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 we are uh led by the holy spirit and then finally is transforming union this this i'm this wild concept of that, that we are actually in union with Christ who is seated in heavenly places, but we are on the earth. And what does it look like to be in, in transforming union with Jesus? And so today we're talking on help in discipleship. So I just want to kind of start with a, with a question. Uh, who here has ever, when you're feeling like in a place of loneliness, maybe you're feeling lonely, have received a, a text or a call with someone just reaching out, just asking how you're doing. Who's, who's seen that just by a show of hands? Okay, I, I, I have in my life, and I remember when that happened, it, it meant like so much to me. Like I, I, was, I was so encouraged. And, and I remember I'm literally like on the phone as someone's reaching ask you know, reaching out, asking how I'm doing. And usually, how are you? You know what it is. Like, how are you is more of a greeting than an actual question. You know what I mean? Like, people are asking, but they don't, like, really care how you're doing. They're just trying to get to the real conversation. And so then they're like, how are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm doing pretty good. How are you? They're like, oh, I'm also doing pretty good. And like, no, no, Ian, how are you actually doing? And they lean in. And I'm like, I'm on the phone, and I'm like, wait, you actually, like, want to lean in and actually see how I'm doing and I realized in that moment of, of feeling alone that so many of us, like I, I think this is just a cry of, of the human heart, is we all, in some way, we all want to be pursued, right? We can acknowledge that. We all want to be pursued. And, and I, I, I don't mean romantically. I just mean in, in general, like the beauty of when we're in a place of feeling alone, of, of being pursued, and, and when someone is intentional with us, when someone leans in and, and says like, no, how are you actually doing? That's just in our, in our heart. That's, that's a desire that, that we all have. And so as we, we dive into this stage of help in discipleship, I want us to keep in mind that the, that the cry of so many of our hearts is intentional pursuit. And it's this beautiful thing that we get to do. So I just want to talk about it as first as a stage, but then as a lifestyle. Because what's interesting is this Sunday is, is kind of unique in that a lot of the stages are stages in the journey of the soul. But today, help and discipleship is unique in that it is a stage that many of us go through. But it's also a lifestyle that, that Christ has commanded us to live. We are called to make disciples. That's just true. 
And because we're called to make disciples, even if we're intentionally in this stage uh, for a season, there's also recognizing that, that we're still called to make disciples continuously with our lives. And so we're going to kind of talk about it first as a stage and then about it as like, what does it look like to just in our life make disciples? So the general, general like definition of it as a stage is this, like we grow in God's grace through community with other believers and practicing spiritual disciplines like participation in church, like Bible study, prayer, service. It's like, it's learning to practice spiritual disciplines. It's, it's doing, it's being discipled, it's being poured into. Like the first stage, uh, confidence in Christ, it's, it has to do with trust, right? Like first we put our trust in Jesus. So to start the journey of the soul, we all at some point in our lives, and, and, and maybe if, if you're here and you haven't done this, to start this journey, we have to profess faith and put our trust in Jesus. That's important. That's important to start it. In the second stage, this stage, help and discipleship, it's, it's really about like learning how to follow Jesus. Like how do we follow Jesus? It's, you can even look at it this way, like uh, uh, confidence in Christ. It, they both have to do with submission. First, we, we learn to submit our lives to Christ. We, we give him our lives. We say, you are my Lord, you are my Savior. I submit myself to you. And then help in discipleship is us learning what does it look like to then submit to someone else. Like, how do I submit to someone else? And, and as I'm doing that, I'm learning more about what it looks like to walk in relationship with Jesus, to actually walk with him. Uh, th- this stage, it's, it's all about for, formation. We're, we're formational beings, right? We're, we're always being either formed or deformed. Like, we don't have a choice, as humans, everything around us is, is forming us. Maybe it's our, our, our socioeconomic experience. Maybe it's uh, the content to which we ingest. Maybe it's the news that we're watching, the home that we're brought up in. The, uh, whatever it is, everything around us is either forming us or deforming us. We're being formed. I've heard it said this way, like the world, it's like a formational machine, and we're kind of just going through the world being formed or, or being deformed. And, and if I'm honest, we as, we as humans, we don't really have a choice as much whether or not it's happening, but we do have a say in how it's happening. We get to make a conscious choice. What does it look like to be formed further into the image of Christ? What does it look like to make decisions in my life that, that maybe I'm going to distance myself from that because I recognize that it's actually deforming me and it's not, it's not pushing me and causing me to look more like Christ. Dallas Willard, he kind of said, uh, said it this way, that, that discipleship is, is basically uh, us living our lives as if we were Jesus. I'm not saying like we're prideful. I just, I mean, we're walking and we're saying, all right, you know, you know the bracelets, right? What would Jesus do? Like we're just constantly walking in our lives and, and living as, as what is Jesus doing. And as formational beings, we are all discipled by someone or something. Like it's happening. It's just, a, it's just truth. But as Christians, as believers, our master and teacher in the forming of our souls is actually meant to be Jesus. It's not meant to be the world that's forming us. We're meant to be formed by Jesus. And one of the best ways to, to learn to, to follow Jesus is, is, is by getting around other believers. Like it's so essential at, at this stage that, that we're in close contact with, with other disciples of Jesus. And so maybe, maybe, maybe you're just entering this stage and you're saying, okay, I'm in this like season of hunger and, and I'm excited and I recently professed faith. Or maybe you've been in this season in the past, but can we all just recognize if you've been here before, like it was a beautiful stage in our, in our development and following of, of Jesus. Like it, it, it was so beautiful as we're, we're hungry and we're asking lots of questions. And so maybe some questions that you might ask in, in this stage are, who is Jesus? Okay, how can I be sure that, that the Bible is true? Can I, can I even trust it? Am I sure that I'm saved? Do you ever ask that question? Do I need to go to church? Do I need to, uh, uh, to press in in this way? What does this scripture mean? Maybe we ask, like, how do I pray? 
I mean, there's like all these questions in this stage that we ask that's so, so beautiful. And we have so much to learn. And oftentimes what happens in this stage and, and help in discipleship is as we look to other pastors, we look to, we look to teachers, and, and we, we look to them to, to kind of inform us and as we learn to, to follow and obey Scripture. As we learn, okay, what does it actually look like to be a Christian? What does it look like? Christian, it means little Christ. What does it look like to be a little Christ in this world? And so that's when we learn disciplines for spiritual growth. And, and we often learn those disciplines from, from other people, from other believers. The critical journey, which is kind of like the original, I mean, there's so many different people over, the, over Christian history that have kind of interpreted and, and, and boxed this together on what does it look like to, for our soul to go on a journey. And, and one of the original books is The Critical Journey. And, and they kind of uh, described this stage as a time of learning and as a time of belonging. It's a time of learning, and it's a time of belonging. And I love that, because if you've been there, if you've been in this stage, or maybe you're stepping into it, you're just, you're so hungry for everything. You're like an information nut. Like, you're, you, you want to learn everything you can, and, and you're hungry, and you're going after it. And then this belonging, th this recognition, okay, I'm hungry, I'm learning right now, but I also want to be hungry around others. We actually do it in the confine of, of other people. We do it around others. And sometimes what, what propels you into this stage is that you meet a person or, or maybe you experience something. You just sense something. You're like, man, I just, there's something that I want. Like, I see this in this person and I, I man, there's just like some really attractive quality about them. Like, they just like love Jesus like someone I've never met or, or maybe they just, ha they have this like character and I just can't latch onto it. I haven't seen it before. I just want it. And, and sometimes that will, will kind of propel you into this stage. And it doesn't matter who they are. They can be anyone. It can be a pastor. It can be a leader. It can be a, a, a lay leader. It can be someone in your small group. It can be a friend. It can be a family member. It can be a coworker. It can be a neighbor. It doesn't matter. But all that matters is that we feel deeply inside that, man, like, I just want to be like them. Like, I, I, I want to emulate their life in some way. And I, I've said this before, and I'll, I'll, I'll say it again, but, but so many people, before they first meet Christ, first they meet a Christian. And it's the Christians that, that, that embody what does it look like to enter into relationship with Jesus. And then people start getting interested and start asking you questions. Have you ever had that happen where someone's like, hey, there's just like something, it's always a little strange. They're like, there's just something like different about you. You're like, did I not wear deodorant today? <laughs> like, what, what is it? But like, no, I just like, I can't quite place it, but there's just something different. What is it? And as you talk, you just recognize, okay, like, they're just like on fire for Jesus and I want what they have. Like a phrase that you might say in this stage oftentimes is, is I found it. Like that, that could describe the feelings that we would have in this, in this stage of like, man, I, I found it and we're hungry and, and we're, we're pressing in and it's, it's super exciting. But like, like any stage in, in our life and in, in the journey of the soul, there, there are also roadblocks that, that oftentimes we face. So if we're in this stage of, of help and discipleship, some possible roadblocks that we might experience is first one, misinterpreting scripture. Uh, because we have, we have this zeal, we have this hunger, but maybe we don't have the knowledge to match the zeal. And so we, we have this, this, uh, this temptation that, that as we read, we're just going to take everything at, at face value. And we haven't kind of walked with people enough to recognize, okay, this is actually meaning something different. I mean, Scripture is, is super nuanced. That doesn't mean you can't open it. I encourage you. Like, the, like the Lord has something in Scripture for you specifically. But the temptation can be like, okay, I don't know that much, but I'm like overly zealous and we're just, we're going after it. But, but I'll tell you what, I was having a conversation with someone yesterday and it's a lot easier to tell someone to slow down than to hurry up. You know what I mean? Like if someone's like moving really fast, it's just like, whoa, 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 slow down. But someone who's like slow in a sloth, like you can only get a sloth going like a mile and a half an hour. Like it's not very quick. And so this is beautiful, this zeal, and what it just takes is it takes other people around you and, and disciples to say, okay, I love, I love this energy, I love where it's going, but let's, like, let's kind of just 
maybe move it this direction. And it takes people of wisdom around you to help direct it. Another temptation, I think this is probably the, the one that I personally found when I was specifically in the season, the, the most tempting is the temptation of legalism. The temptation of, of spiritual perfectionism, of, of, of having a spirit of religion, of re- religiosity, of recognizing that there's all these things that I'm really excited about. And now all I have to do is I have to do this, that, that the person discipling me told me to do. And I got to do this, and I'll do this, and I'll do this. And, and we, kind of, we kind of just become very legalistic about those things because we see the fruit that is coming from pressing into those, those, those areas. We see the fruit in our lives that, that they're bearing, and, and, and we see the transformation. Like that, that is so often the temptation. I I, I, it's almost like we develop a, a, a checklist of affections. Like we have this checklist of affections, the things that we are super affectionate for, the things that we were really excited about, that, that, that we were just like all in. We, we recognize that they, they become a to-do list more than they become holy desires in our life. And that's often the temptation. I would say that's the temptation for so many of us as, as Christians, as believers. We, we have that temptation of, of making uh, checklists of affections. And so that is it, like the d- discipleship as a, as, a, as a stage, recognizing that, that we kind of go through that stage and that zeal and that hunger. But like I said, we kind of have to hold it with both hands where it's, it's both a stage, but it's also actually a command. Like we're, we're called to make disciples, and so I want to press into that. What does it look like to disciple? What, what, what's the encouragement from the Lord for us? And, and how do we do that? And practically, what does it look like? And, and, and what does it look like if we actually started making disciples who make disciples who make disciples? And so if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to, to Matthew chapter 28. We'll read verses 16 through 20. Now this is the, the final words of Jesus right before he uh, ascended into heaven. So this is like his parting words to us as believers, to the disciples. And it's oftentimes called the Great Commission. And so maybe you've heard that before, but it's this command from Jesus to his disciples, the, to the ones who have professed faith in, in Jesus, who have, who have made Christ their Lord and, and Savior and, and teacher. And so I just, I wanna, I wanna read Matthew 28, 16. Through 20. This is what it says. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you, surely, until the end of the age. So many of us have heard this passage before. We're like, okay, this great commission, this, this command of Jesus, this is really beautiful, but what does it mean? What does it, what does it look like? Especially uh, make disciples of all nations. Like, Man, Jesus is about the nations. Like he's about the people. He, he loves the nations and he, he, he sends them out two by two and he says, go. I want you to go and make disciples. And so this word disciple is, is from the Greek word matateo. And it, it, it means to be trained or a, or a trainee, to, to be a disciple. Here's what I love about this word. We often think of a disciple as a noun, like it's who I am, but actually it's a verb. To be a disciple is to make a disciple. And so if we are a disciple, we are also making disciples. It's actually not an option. Like when he's, when he's commanding, when he's saying, he's saying, all right, go. He's not saying sit. He's not saying hang out. He's saying like, no, no, go. Like I want you to do this. I want you to go and I want you to make disciples. And I think when, when we have, for, for those of us maybe that have grown up in the church, I think we have like two kind of predominant views of discipleship. One, we, we uh, you know, like the, the 6 a.m. coffee shop 
kind of view of discipleship. We're like, all right, so if I meet every week, 6 a.m., you go to the Well Coffee House, you're going to see it. You know what I mean? It, like you are just, you're sitting there, and at 6 a.m., you're like, all right, we're going to commit the rest of our lives every week, 6 a.m., be there. And, and you go, and it's, sometimes it's fun just to go in coffee shops. Rainy and I have talked about this, of like, well, this is like a very holy coffee shop because everyone has their Bibles open, you know? And you just have people who are, who are engaging in discipleship, and that is, that is a beautiful thing. So I think you have, you have that view of, of, okay, like we're there, we're drinking coffee, we're across the table. I mean, I get coffee with students and, and people I disciple. Like, I love it. I'm, I'm one of those. They're like, the, his Bible's open. That's me. But then I think the other view also is like, all right, like just come along with me and, and, and my, my life's going to kind of like rub off on you and we don't need to do the, like the official coffee meeting every week. Like let's, let's just come together and, and, and I'm just going to kind of like spread the things that I know just by walking around and it's going to like, it's going to get on you and it's going to be, it's going to be good. It's going to be great. Come, come grocery shopping with me, and, and you'll see how I skip uh, that one aisle so that I can get the frozen pizzas because it's really convenient. You'll just like, that'll kind of rub off on you, you know what I mean? And so I think these are the two kind of major views of, of discipleship that we have. And, and as I've kind of thought and prayed and, and thought about this, I feel like discipleship, it, it, it's kind of like somewhere in the middle. Like, it's kind of a both and, it's not an either or. And so it's, it's bringing people along with us in our life, but it's also us being intentional in teaching the things that God has taught us. I mean, it says in, in, the, in the Great Commission, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. But sometimes as disciples, we don't know what he's commanded, so it takes someone wiser or further along to say, hey, actually what you're doing is, is not in line with Scripture. Hey, what you're doing is, hey, here, here's what the Lord, this is how he views that. And so it's, it's kind of both and, 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 and I think even growing up in the church, we think the discipleship, it's, it's a program. We think it's, uh, it's something. We think it's like something that's meant to be done or it's done by, by kind of like a mechanism, but discipleship is not done by, by a mechanism. It's done by people. I guess people doing life with one another. My... Uh, uh, my life was extremely impacted by, uh, by discipleship. I was in middle school. I was in eighth grade, and, and I, I found uh, myself in a season where I, I, all of the things that I had been taught growing up, like it just, it, it, it wasn't enough. And I found some things out of, from someone who, who had really like poured into me spiritually. And, and I was in a place of like, I don't know what to believe anymore because the person that I had admired uh, was engaging in things that, that were not holy, and I knew that, but I, I then didn't know what to do with the things that he had given me. And so then in eighth grade, I sought out a mentor, and I, I went to this church. So I went to United Methodist Church, and, um, and in that church, you know, it was like I walked in. It's not that, you know, people were in robes or anything, but it was like we're pretty comfortable. We're doing contemporary worship, so it was, Hillsong would be on. It was great. But then there was like this one guy that was just like different. Like he, he, there was just like something about him. Like I just, I don't know, I feel like you know something that I don't know. Or like you know something that other people don't know. And I come to find out that he had a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And so he knew Holy Spirit. And so I, I sought him out and I started meeting with him. And he, he sat down with a group of middle school guys. And he said, all right, the disciples were your age. You can do it. You can do the stuff. I mean, he basically told me, he didn't actually say his word, but he basically told me, like, there's no junior Holy Spirit. And I didn't know any better, so I just believed him. So I was like, wow, I could do this stuff. That's great. The disciples were my age. They did some crazy stuff. I'm sure I can do some crazy stuff with the Lord. And so then he just started meeting with us, and our group started about 10 people. And then he was, like, the re like he was serious. And so that group started whittling down because they're like, oh, wow, he's not really messing around. He's, like, he's really going there. And then we ended with about three. <laughs> but... I was all in. And the Lord gripped my heart with someone pouring into my life, Todd Austin. He changed my life. And looking back, I, we didn't even get together that much. Like it wasn't even that we were together all that much, but all it took was one man pursuing me intentionally in discipleship, believing in me, and then I just believed the things that he said about me. I was just like, okay, I, I, I take it, sure. It was actually when I was in eighth grade that I felt called into ministry. It was in that season 
the Lord spoke and I, and I heard his voice and, and it, was, it was beautiful and, and it's a part of my testimony. I always share that, like, okay, what shifted your life? Like it was that time when, when that man was intentionally pouring into my life. He was discipling me. And I don't know someone who, who has been intentionally discipled that it's not also a part of their testimony. Because it is such a beautiful and robust season of, of just getting poured into and mentored and discipled. And I personally was so impacted by it. Jesus, he did it all throughout his ministry. He, he literally, he went to the disciples and you know what he said? He said, come and be with me. He said, come follow me and be with me. He didn't just say like, hey, I'm gonna teach you. And, and, and so many of the disciples are fishermen and they're people who like you would not think would be great disciples. In fact, they hadn't really progressed through the processes of, of Jewish, uh, Jewish discipleship. But Jesus said like, I'm gonna look at you and trust you and, and say like, hey, come into the fold with me. And then what did Jesus do? He just said, all right, come and be with me. And my life is going to rub off on you. And you're going to see something. You're probably not going to fully understand it all. But you're going to see the Lord work in ways that you haven't seen. And you are going to develop a hunger. And that hunger is going to propel you. And it's actually going to be the church to which I build my church on. Peter, you are the church. And so it's Jesus does it all throughout. If you just see, to be a disciple, to sit at the feet of Jesus, to learn from him. And another example we have in, in, in the New Testament is Paul, who wrote a majority of the New Testament. And so prior to becoming Paul, he was, he was actually trained and he was a disciple of uh, Gamaliel, which was like a, a, he was a Jewish teacher. So Paul kind of grew up knowing, okay, what does discipleship in this Jewish community look like? And then in Acts 9, he, he was Saul at that time. He had an encounter with Jesus. And as he had an encounter with Jesus, he, he recognized, okay, th- this, this person that I was, I was, like persecuting and, and the disciples that I was going after, I actually want to become a follower of Jesus. And so Paul, his whole life is, is transformed. And then a man comes into his life named Barnabas. And, and, and Barnabas is a huge influence on Paul. And we see that church, the church sends both Paul and, and, and Barnabas out. And Barnabas, his name literally means son of encouragement. Don't we all need a son of encouragement? Don't we all need some encouragement? And sometimes it takes someone else just, just looking at you saying, I believe in you. Sometimes that's all discipleship is. Sometimes it's looking at them and saying, I know you don't think you can do it, but I promise you, you can. And that is the gift sometimes of discipleship. And Barnabas, that's what he did with Paul. But then what did Paul do? He, he took it seriously, the command of Jesus of going and making disciples of all nations because he didn't just receive discipleship from Barnabas, then he started pouring it out. He started discipling other people. And one of his disciples, uh, some of us know as Timothy, right? Timothy, who's this young pastor pastoring a church, and Paul is just like, you know, just like giving him all his best stuff, like his best sermons, his best analogies. And he's like, hey, here's, here's Jesus, and, and here's who he is, here's who he's been to me, and I've, I've faced persecution, and, and here you go. And he's just pouring in. And so then you have this beautiful picture of discipleship of Barnabas, who, who discipled Paul, and Paul, who discipled Timothy. 2 Timothy 2 2, if you have your Bibles, you can. You can turn there. Uh, Paul, he, he's writing to Timothy, and he's giving an encouragement to him. And as he's encouraging uh, Timothy, he, he gives us basically an exact picture of, of discipleship. He says, in the things, this is Paul speaking to Timothy, in the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, Entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. So the things that you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. So in other words, teach someone who will teach someone who will teach someone who will teach someone. I could keep going, you get it? How else would 12 people who are, who are in love and, and falling head over heels in love with Jesus become now 2.38 billion people who profess Jesus as Lord and Savior? It was people who disciple and others who disciple and people who disciple and it keeps on going. And, and discipleship, it, it has the long term in mind. I think sometimes we think like we want the fruit right now. We want it, we want it so quick. But discipleship, it has the long term in mind. Eugene Peterson, he's a pastor, he says it this way. He says, it's long obedience in the same direction. 
It's a long obedience in the same direction. And I think we sometimes in discipleship, we get so caught up in like the quick fix. Like we want it so fast, but then all of a sudden we, we realize and we recognize like, no, 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 it's, it's the long game that we're in it for. Like we're, we're being faithful. We're, we're being faithful over time. When I was uh, in high school, I played soccer. And so I, I loved it. It was great. And I remember this one game in particular. I don't know why, but the Lord brought this story back to my mind this week. I was, I was playing and I had scored two goals and I was going for the hat trick. So I'm like, I'm going for the hat trick. And the other team was like really coming against me. Like they did not want me to score. I mean, they were, I mean, they were fouling me. Yellow cards were, were flying. And, and I remember because they had fouled me so much, I ended up falling on my knee. And I, I later found out that I developed something called patellar bursitis. And so if you've seen it, it's like your knee is like super inflamed and really big and it's pretty gross. Like it's not fun. And so I'm kind of like hobbling around as I'm like running around. But I'm like, no, coach, I got it. I don't need a sub. Like I'm fine because I wanted to score that goal. And so I'm like with everything in me, I'm, I'm going for it. And, and I like my coach is like, no, 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 we're going to sub you. I'm like, no, coach, like I got it. I got it. I got it. And, and eventually, I mean, it was like, you know, moment of glory, amazing. I'm, I run past him and I slide down and I get the goal and I'm like, yes, amazing. And I'm so excited. And I come off and I, unfortunately we lost the game, to be honest. So it didn't even matter. <laughs> but I felt cool. And, and so I, I, I scored this goal, but then I ended up not being able to play for like five more games after that. And because I had, like, pressed through, I had, like, persevered. And, and I'm, like, my mom, a little Mother's Day story, my mom's amazing. And she's, like, no, you're not going to be able to play. But I'm convinced for some reason that I can play through it and, like, hobbling around. I'm like, no, Mom, I can do it. And my mom is a physical therapist. <laughs> but I was the wise one. And I'm, like, no, Mom, I can do it. And I couldn't play. But I had so much, I was so concerned with that moment, that goal, that like right in front of me that I, that I, I lost track of what it was going to affect me for the rest of the season. And because of that, I, my mom, who was wise, she came in. She's like, no, I'm not going to let you play, even though you feel like you can. You can't, by the way. But I feel like discipleship, it's the same way where we get caught up in the, in the immediate results and we want it and we're like going for it. But, but then we, we recognize that sometimes it just takes someone wiser than us. Sometimes it takes someone that, that, that has the long game in mind to come and say like, no, 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 we're just going to be faithful to Jesus. We're going to be faithful. When, when, when we get to heaven, I, I prayed this prayer for so much of my life. There, in Matthew 25, Jesus uh, tells this parable. And, and eventually um, the servant comes to him and he's been a good steward. And, and Jesus looks at him and he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. I mean, don't you want to get to heaven and, and Jesus to look at you and for him to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. But here's the thing, the metric in heaven that, that Jesus measures as success is not fruit, it's actually faithfulness. It's being faithful. Jesus is going to look at us and he's going to say, have you been faithful? He's not going to say, have you been fruitful? And that really messes with me as a performance. Or, you, you heard it with the goal, right? As a performance-oriented person, I'm, I sometimes get so caught up in the fruit that I want to see that I forget that Jesus will look at me and he will say, the thing that actually matters is faithfulness. And so we, even this, here's what's interesting. In, in Matthew 7, it says that you will recognize the disciples by their fruit. So we recognize disciples by their fruit, but he recognizes us by our faithfulness. And that, it, it, it changes how we look at discipleship because we recognize that we're seeking the approval of him, not the approval of man. And because we're not looking at the approval of man, we're actually not overly concerned with fruit. Now here's the thing, if we begin with faithfulness in mind, good fruit will follow. If we begin with being faithful, we'll, we'll, we'll see good fruit. There's this quote that I love, and it, it says that my fruit will grow on other people's trees. And I think that's like the heart. That's the essence of discipleship. My fruit will grow on other people's trees because it makes other people the hero in the story, not ourselves. And if I've learned anything from discipleship and discipling students and people is that that. <laughs> I don't know as much as I think I know. And oftentimes I'm, I'm reminded in humility 
of what it looks like to, to learn from those that are even younger than us in the faith. The amount of times that I've written down something that someone who disciples me have, has, has written and, and, and shared, or the amount of times that I've written down something like I'm meeting and I'm, I'm discipling you and they'll say something, I'm like, that's gonna change the rest of my week. And, and I've learned so much. My fruit grows on other people's trees. And so hear this, for, for us all, we're, we're all called to disciple. This message really, it's, it's a message of exhortation to remind us, like we are called to go and make disciples. If you've seen the Shia LaBeouf video, I'm not gonna like replicate it, but like just do it. Like we're called to, to do it. It's not an option. We don't have an option if we disciple people. If we're a follower of Jesus, we make disciples. We don't have an option if we're a discipling people. And so as we, as we disciple, as we, we invest, as we pour out our lives to people, I recognize that the posture of the disciple, here's what they are. A, a posture of a disciple is a pursuer of people. That's what it is. The posture of a discipler, someone who disciples, pursues people intentionally. With intentionality, they pursue. Like we all want to be pursued, right? And so sometimes discipleship can begin with a simple text, how are you doing? And other times it can, it can grow and grow over time. But, but discipleship, it's not going to bear much fruit without us being intentional, without us being faithful. Lives are changed with intentional discipleship. So the question comes for you to honestly and authentically ask ourselves is how intentionally do we pursue people in discipleship? How do you pursue people in discipleship? We get to, to reach out. And we, we see that our, our lives start, start rubbing off on, on people and, and, and we see the effects of it. Uh, even uh, a couple weeks ago, I was with a, um, we were with some, some new friends, Rachel and I, and they have a son. And I, I, I just like went up to, I was like, hey bro, like what's up bro? And you know, just like trying to become friends with a five-year-old and and the next day, he comes up to me, he's like, yo, bro, what's up? And his mom looks at him and is like, when did he start saying bro? And I was like, I said it like once yesterday. And he, and it, and he just latched onto it. And that's what discipleship is. It's, it's bringing people close so that our lives can start having impact for others. Howard Hendricks, he, he says it this way, you can impress from a distance, but you can only impact someone up close. You can impress from a distance, but you can only impact someone up close. And so we learn to, to bring kingdom by, by seeing someone else near us do it. 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Paul writes this. He says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And so we get to look at someone and say, man, I want to become like you who is trying to become like Jesus. And that's what starts the train is it's us first falling in love with Jesus, imitating him in our lives. And as we imitate Jesus, then we recognize, okay, well, I have a life. Now, it's postured in humility. This, this verse has always messed with me because if I'm going to say that, like, look, imitate me as I'm imitating Jesus. Like, it just, it just feels like, ah. But Paul said it, and, and Paul also said, I am nothing except for the gospel of Christ. And so he carried both. And, and so what does it look like to imitate other people as they imitate Christ? For us to live a life worthy of imitation. And so as we kind of draw to a close, I, I, I really feel like what the Lord wants to, wants to do and break off is, is chains of, of specifically apathy. As I was praying, I, I really felt like what the Lord wanted to do today is break off the chains of apathy in, in regards to how we pursue people in discipleship. But he wants to break those off and actually say, it's going to be exciting for you again. Like you're gonna, you're gonna desire to do it, not just because I told you to do it, because you actually see, see the life and the faithfulness of, of being a disciple and, and pouring your, yourself and, and, and living your life with Jesus and allowing for other people to come along. And so two lies specifically on, on why I think we don't, why we don't disciple people or, or why we don't pursue people intentionally in discipleship. And I think I've personally, I've thought, 
these lies before. The first lie is, is I think one reason that, that it doesn't happen is we believe this lie of I'm not worthy of investing in someone because I have nothing to offer. But here's what I want to tell you. If you're on the journey of the soul, if you've professed faith in Jesus and received the gift of salvation, you actually have the most beautiful thing to give away. You have something to give away. And it's the gospel. It's sharing what Jesus has done in your life. All of us have something to give away to people. The other reason I think it doesn't happen is maybe we believe this lie. I'm not worthy of being invested in. And we, we think that and we feel that. And we, we believe that I'm, man, I'm just not worthy of being invested in. So this whole discipleship thing, Ian, is really great and cool, but like I just, I just don't think it's for me. And so if you're hungry, if you're, if you're even feeling stirred in this message and, 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 and you desire either to be discipled or to disciple someone, I encourage you, like, seek someone out. Pursue someone intentionally. Send a text. But maybe you've heard this, and, and this is actually even a part of my story. Man, Ian, I've tried, but it just keeps short-circuiting. Like, I keep reaching out to someone. I keep trying to get someone to disciple me, and it's just like it doesn't work out. Like, it short-circuits. This is a part of my story. I, I was really looking for a mentor and someone to disciple me, and it just kept happening. And, and, and I kid you not, like I'm meeting with someone for the first time, and then they just ghost me, and I like don't hear back from them. And I'm like, I, what, did, what did I say? And then I reach out to someone else, like, sorry, it's probably just not going to work out. And then I reach out, and I kid you not, I think I reached out to, I, I probably met with five or six different people, and I was so just torn down and distraught, feel like, man, I'm just, I must not be worth being discipled. Like, and maybe that's you, but here's my, my encouragement to you is, is I wanna even prophesy over you a spirit of perseverance, of pressing in, because I now have someone who disciples me. I have someone who pours into me, and he is someone who is very similar to me in personality. We have same, similar vision. We have similar struggles. The very things that I'm thinking now, he also thought when, when he was my age. And it took me like six people to get to him. But I, I, I kept persevering and pressing in and recognizing I'm not going to believe the lie that I'm not worthy of being invested in. I'm going to press through. I'm going to persevere. And so if that's you and you're like, it keeps short-circuiting, I want to speak over you just a, a, a spirit of perseverance to keep pressing on because there is someone out there. You are not a burden. And there is someone out there that wants to pour their life out to you. And so the question to to close as I keep asking is as presence people, that's us, so many of us are great at pursuing God, but how great are we at pursuing others in discipleship with intentionality? And I, I say that not to impress uh, uh, unhealthy conviction, but for us to actually honestly ask ourselves, what does my relationship with discipleship look like? Because it's not an option. I'm, I'm called to, to make disciples and to be discipled. That's how the kingdom is furthered. And so if the ministry team wants to go ahead and come up, and if we have someone to play, they can, they can come. I recognize that this, this message, you're like, all right, Ian, it was a message on discipleship, but you didn't give me any, like, practical tools. Like, what do I do if I want to disciple someone? What, what does it mean? You just kind of, like, talked about it, but, but what does it actually look like? And so a couple resources for you for, like, the go-getters, uh, some classic books, The Master Plan of Evangelism by Robert E. Coleman. So it's, it's The Master Plan of Evangelism but it's, it's really a book on discipleship, and it breaks down eight different stages of discipleship. And in my notes, I actually included each of these stages for you to look through. So if you want to, you can go online and check out the notes and, and, and press into this and, and learn, okay, what is it? And it walks through, like, how do you select someone and how do you multiply disciples? Like, it just kind of walks you through. It's kind of an old school book, but it's a classic for a reason. Another really great book is The Lost Art of Disciple Making by Leroy Eames. I might have pronounced that wrong. But The Lost Art of Disciple Making. It's this classic. I think it was published in like 1978. But as I was reading through it, I'm like, no, I would do this today. I mean, it is really good. And they walk through like 30 different topics that you can walk with someone that you're discipling. And they have like, I mean, from like 
the basis of like salvation all the way to like what is it what is it what does it look like to to have a world vision in discipleship and so I encourage you, they have different scripture readings and different books to read, and they have like questions that you can ask someone. I mean, you can just go through this. It doesn't matter as much what you do. What matters is that we do it. There's not a right method. There's not a right plan. But what matters is that we find people. And so some, some practical things for you as we, we go into ministry time. If, if you're feeling certain, you're like, okay, I just want to pursue people intentionally, you could, you could start a Bible study with your friends. You could get coffee with someone that inspires you. You could join a small group. You could lead a small group. We're launching a new small group semester here at the beginning of June. And come and talk to me. I would love to help you uh, lead a small group. Ask the Lord right now to bring someone to your mind that you could disciple. And I encourage you, reach out to them this week. Pick something to start this week and do it. So if you'll go ahead and stand... My encouragement is to pursue someone, whether it's to disciple you or it's in discipleship. Ask someone to coffee that you respect, admire. For those that have pursued someone and it's short-circuited, I encourage you to persevere because there is someone on the other side that wants to disciple you. Continue searching. He wants to remove a spirit of apathy in regards to discipleship. For those who have grown in spiritual wisdom and insight, give it away to people. And for those that are doing it, you're like, Ian, I am doing this. Well done. Like the Lord is encouraging you. And, and if you're discipled by someone on your way out, send them a text or a call and just say, thank you for investing in me and pouring into my life. So Holy Spirit, we thank you that, that you desire our church to be a church that disciples, that makes disciples who makes disciples. Lord, I, I thank you that, that we get to be a people of intentional pursuit. And so, Lord, would, would anything that, that, that was in the message that, that stirred us, Lord, would we respond with action this week? Would we reach out? Would we pursue? Would we, whether disciple or seek someone to, to, to disciple us? Lord, we thank you that, that you are breaking off the lie that I'm not worthy of being vested, invested in. You're also breaking off the lie that I don't have anything to give away. So just break it off right now in Jesus' name. And we love you, Jesus. And we thank you for the opportunity to further your kingdom through, the, through the, the, the very vessel of discipleship. Thank you that you're stirring in our hearts a healthy, intentional pursuit for others. Yeah, so Holy Spirit, just come. Yeah. Amen. So if there's anything, or if, if you even feel like really burdened in, in, in any way or even physically. I feel like physically there was a, someone here with like a right shoulder issue, like significant right pain in your right shoulder. I feel like the Lord wanted to bring healing. And actually even from, from my, my, uh, my injury in high school, also your right knee, if your right knee, maybe if you even have bursitis, I feel like the Lord wants to, uh, to heal you. So come forward if there's anything uh, going on in your life that you need prayer for. Do not leave without prayer. And so, Lord, we thank you that, that we can go out in confidence and strength. Just encourage us to become a people of intentional pursuit and discipleship. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So you are released, but I really encourage you, do not leave without getting prayer. God bless you.